Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Shoot the Shot. After a long, long holiday break, uh, we decided to take last week off because, you know, we were just full from Thanksgiving, I think, Mede. How about you? Mm, definitely full. Uh, <laughs> needed to just digest a little bit. Two, three, four, five hundred bathroom breaks. And we're back at it. We're refreshed, ready to shoot this shot. We you know, are so. refreshed. And midday, yeah, decided to leave the country. So it just like, it was That's a little true. rough getting things moving on the Monday and the Tuesday. And by Wednesday, we were just like, you know what? Let's call it a holiday break. So that's what we went for. Yeah, it was maybe uh, a cop out of sorts, but here we are. We're back. You're getting another yeah. episode. So quit complaining. Yeah, we are back and we're excited to be back midday. I think so. Absolutely. So how was your Thanksgiving? Let's talk about that for a minute before we get into it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Thanksgiving was good. Uh, this was actually the first Thanksgiving that Katie and I, and I will not call her lovely, uh, <laughs> Katie and I actually spent this Thanksgiving together as she came to good old Canton, Ohio, and hung out with me and the family for a little bit. And then, as you mentioned, that evening, we drove to Toronto, Canada, and spent a few days up there. just with the enjoying- Raptors. Enjoy, yeah. The Raptors were not Siakam, in town, unfortunately. Uh, were you gonna? So, were you planning to go to a game if they were? Yeah, honestly, if it was like a Saturday uh, night, Friday cool. night game, we would have. But we we thought about going to the Maple Leafs game, which for those viewers out there, listeners, uh, is hockey, and we don't talk about that. But no, we don't. But hockey games are fun. They are fun, and I was like, you know, I could get behind this for maybe yeah. twenty bucks a ticket because you know I got to pay for two of them. Right. And turns out people in Canada like hockey. So oh, popular, so much more than we do. And you got to pay money for those tickets. So <laughs> yeah. that didn't end up happening. But we did all the, the stereotypical tourist stuff with the CN Tower and the museums and had some Putin. Do you know what Putin is, Sam? Uh, no, I thought it was sexual when you said it at first. No, no, that's <laughs> that's uh, something different for the kids. <laughs> but no, that is it's, – so it's French fries, like normal okay. French fries. That's okay. It. But And then they throw some gravy on it and then some cheese curds, like unfried cheese curds, just like little chunks of cheese. Oh, so it's pretty good. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's exceptionally American tasting because we throw gravy on everything here. Um, so I'm proud of the Canadians for that. Our Canadian – our neighbors to the north for yeah. being fat like us Americans. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Great time. That's so you tell me some tell tell me a little bit about your Thanksgiving, bud. Oh, it was the usual. Uh, you know, going to grandma's house, um, eating the the turkey and uh, the stuffing. You know, the rare stuffing mm. that I, I like to eat so much. Uh, mm. We had like a turkey shoot thing. I won because you know, goat noise. Got <laughs> I got get, got some skills from the uh, the Call of Duty sticks translate mm. to real life. Apparently, look at you. Yeah, that was my. Not excuse, but I guess my the reason I won. That's what we're yeah. gonna leave it at. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and then uh, came home and watched the Ohio State Michigan game, which yeah, turned out to be a success again for the I think eighth year in a row, maybe yeah. sixth, yeah. seventh, eighth, something like that. Definitely, uh, uh, super fun, especially watching Jim Harbaugh lose again. Yeah. Was, it, they especially had no chance this year. I think yeah, a buzzsaw of an Ohio State team. Which is funny because at the beginning of the year, they were actually favored to win the Big Ten, and Ohio State was like fifth. Isn't um, that funny? Yeah, yeah, Michigan was like a like a favorite to make the college football playoff, and 
and stuff like that. But, you know, things happen. Yeah, right. So, and speaking of which, real quick, the playoff, obviously, um, selection committee selected last night that it's going to be LSU, number one, Ohio State, two, Clemson, three, and Oklahoma, four. Mm. So, How do you feel about that? I don't like it because I don't want to play Clemson. And I think that, like, everybody said Clemson didn't play anybody. They struggled against North Carolina. But, dude, they still have five-star recruits. They still have Trevor Lawrence. They still yeah. have Dabo Sweet. Like, it's still a good team. And I frankly think that they might be better than LSU also. So I was thinking about this too earlier. And I think the argument of you don't play anybody – like that falls through quickly mm-hmm. when you are the defending national champion and haven't lost since what 2017, right. basically. 20, so it's like 28 game win streak, I believe they're on. Right, exactly. So I can't say I would not afraid of them, but in a way, I get why afraid, they put. Yeah. I get why they put LSU at one and us at two. Uh, like that's not my issue. I have the sure. issue with getting the worst of the two matchups. I think is is where the yeah. The LSU and Ohio State one-two thing, I think, could have gone either way, and you can make an argument for it either way. I think people that are just saying, "Oh, it's no debate, LSU should have been number one," are a little bit ignorant because mm-hmm. LSU hasn't exactly been. I mean, besides the SEC championship game, which you know, I think Georgia's kind of overrated, Definitely. but. Um, like that's the first time that they really looked like great defensively and Ohio state obviously has a Heisman contender on defense. So it's like a Heisman contender with missing the two or three games, but yeah. still, yeah. he's still yeah. in that conversation. And, I think Joe Burrow is going to win that award though. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's a sure thing, which I mean, it's, it seems like it should be closer because Justin Fields has 40 touchdown passes and one interception on the season. Right. Um, somehow that couple, gets overlooked. Yeah, couple fumbles, but like he's this—he just broke Drew Brees's not Drew Brees's record, but um, the back-to-back years now, Ohio State quarterbacks have um, broken that Drew Brees mark that has obviously been set since he was at Purdue. Yeah, the nineties. Yeah, yeah, because Haskins like, threw fifty last year. Haskins didn't he? threw fifty, and then Justin Fields threw forty this year, so they're now one and two in Big Ten history in touchdown mm. passes in a season. Pretty incredible, to be honest. And we swept the awards, the Big Ten awards. They got offensive, defensive, and coach of the year. Oh, yeah, easy. And everybody's like, oh, Ryan Day, he inherited all Urban's players. Like, you don't understand. He went into that situation. You have to fill Urban Meyer's footsteps, and he did it. I mean, and I think 99% of Buckeye fans would argue that he looks better than Urban this season. Yeah, we, we didn't have the letdown game. Right. So there was never, I mean, this was like Big Ten championship. Right. Yeah, but you play a team closest twice. Thing. You play a team sure. twice, and it's like that's like it's tough to do, especially with a team like Wisconsin, who's a well-coached team. Like, yeah, and they have good players. They're not just going to roll over after you beat them thirty-eight to seven during the season at your place. Exactly. So, but let's move on, midday. That was a lot of college football talk for me. That was a lot, a, a lot of college football talk. So <laughs> you, I'm, you did well though. I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I, I try um, to hold my own. So we're going to get into our pick and then we're going to get into something else. Sound good? Awesome. Let's do it. So starting on Thursday, just kidding. We need to talk about our records. Let's do it. <laughs> so obviously we tweeted out the records from last week because we were um, on sick leave. 
<laughs> but uh, the records to date are midday broke over the century mark at 107 wins to the 82 losses. Beautiful. Um, and then I coming in, I'm coming in at 114 wins to the 75 losses there. And midday and I were talking, we were talking before and kind of just said that uh, we think our pick em record, you know, gives us that, that justification that we are um, able to have an NFL NBA based uh, sports podcast. Oh yeah, we <laughs> more than credible out here. Yeah. We've been watching these games our whole life. Yeah, the good winning percentage definitely backs up uh, the credibility. So I think mm. we're okay. We can keep going. At least a couple more weeks. <laughs> Thank God we're not doing the NBA pick'em because that would just be too many numbers. That would be four billion games. <laughs> so let's get into it. This week we got the Jets at the Ravens on Thursday night. Jets, Ravens. What a boring game. The Ravens are going to win by a lot. And, yep, that's my pick. All right, I'm going with the Ravens as well in this one. So starting on Sunday, we got the Patriots going to the Bengals. Patriots were actually uh, in the Browns booth uh, videotaping the Rave, uh, the Bengals signals. Yeah. I, I guess they're what's, nervous. What's the whole story on that? I don't know. <laughs> we still need some more details on that. I guess they're filming a documentary. Is there yeah, a cover? It's like a something? day in the life or something. As Which like a, I kind of, you know, I kind of believe because you don't need game film on the Bengals. Let's be right. Clear. Right. And that's what I just, uh, you know, sent out there to the Twitter world. I just said, nobody really needs signals from the Bengals. Let's be honest. They're one in 12. One in 12 teams don't so need to be I believe we're against. both going to pick the Patriots in this one. Yep. Definitely going bats here. So let's just move on. Pretend that the game isn't happening. Uh, just give us the win. Um, Buccaneers at Detroit taking on the Lions. Yeah, the Bucks are my favorite team to pick now because Jameis Winston just throws for 500 yards and at least three touchdowns. Um, oh, three picks, two interceptions, or three touchdowns, two interceptions is the pretty much the stat line for him. Yeah, he's he's got a good shot at the 30 interception, 30 touchdown season, which has been ever been done. <laughs> before but so fingers like, crossed on that yeah it's like averaging like uh 30 points and 30 boards yeah exactly <laughs> kind of more like 30, uh, uh turnovers. yeah, <laughs> yeah missed threes so basically russell westbrook this year but i'm yeah. going with the bucks as well on this one so the next game we got the texans at the titans um i'm gonna take the titans what do you think yeah this one's kind of difficult because these teams i think are tied and if we're worried about the Browns getting a playoff spot, we're going to need both these teams to lose this game somehow. So I think I'm actually going with the Titans too. Like Ryan yeah. Tannehill is killing it lately, and I can't believe they, I'm saying that. Because, I know. They man, look good, and it's usually when you switch, when you switch quarterbacks in the middle of the year, it usually doesn't go well. But well, And they're working on a uh, long-term contract for him, actually. So. Isn't that great? Good for him, honestly. Yeah, and honestly, suck it, Mariota. You're bad. <laughs> We'll see you backing up the Bears next year. Yeah. So the Broncos are going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Chiefs coming off a big win against the Patriots. Um, the Broncos, man, are like inconsistent, and it's annoying because they just beat the heck out of the Texans. Yeah. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think I'm picking the Chiefs at home, even though the Broncos are making this late push to not be mm – -hmm. Uh, not have a good draft pick is what it's going to end up being. but Confusing, but whatever. Uh, yeah. Dolphins at the Giants. Dolphins at Giants is a game that I will not be watching. Can confirm. I will take the Dolphins in this one. I think I'm going to take the 
Dolphins too? Oh my gosh, look at us go. We roasted this team for <laughs> weeks, and now we're both picking them in week two. I know. Unreal well, turn of events. I, I don't like it. Fins up, you know? Yeah. So, Eagles are going to Washington to take on the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins are also like trying to win games somehow, and I don't know why. But it's a very weird thing. Eagles. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely picking the Eagles here, too, in that terrible, terrible NFC East division race. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Sub-500 team's going to win it. Mark my yeah, mind. so a better division. Uh, the Bears are going to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Uh, this was a week one first, first matchup of the NFL season, which the Packers took um, in Chicago. So I'm going to take the Packers to win this one at home this time. I am going to agree with that and double down on the Packers because I still don't – I think this is some fool's gold with Trubisky these last couple weeks. Yeah. Definitely not on the road at, in, in Lambeau. Let's get, get – no. go Pack, go. Right. So uh, the Vikings are going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Um, that's a 405 game out in L.A. What do you think? I have a lot of thoughts on this game because the Chargers are looking a little bit better. Um. Philip Rivers, they put him, buried him in the grave, and now they're kind of, he's stuck his hand back out. But I'm probably going to pick the Vikings here because I'm a Vikings guy. Give you are. Cousins. You are. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, they got Derwin James back last week, and they destroyed whoever the hell they played. I don't remember, but they killed him. <laughs> um, Broncos, maybe? No. That was no. three weeks ago. No, it was the Jaguars who everybody's Jags. killing oh. lately. Oh gosh! Um, but I just think that like they still have the the talent to play with good teams. They just haven't put it really together this year. But I'm going to go with the Chargers at home. So the Jaguars, as I just mentioned, are going to Oakland to take on the Raiders. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders because the Jaguars are playing horrendous right now. So. You would be correct. The Jaguars are terrible. They switched quarterbacks. It didn't matter. Josh Jacobs did not play last week, um, but I think he'll come back for this game, and they will win Raiders. Yeah, you needed him. I did, but his backup did okay for me. So. Yeah, he did. So Rams uh, are going to Dallas, stay on the Cowboys. Rams coming off a big win against Seattle, kind of ruining their uh, by playoff by aspirations. Hmm. Um. Still in the hunt, though, but the Rams are still kind of a tease. Um, but the Cowboys suck, so this one's tough. <laughs> this is really tough because both these teams are confusing as like, hell. They should be good. Like, both of these teams should honestly be, like, playing for their, you know, like, 10th, 11th win right now. And yeah. they just aren't. They both started at 3-0, and if I'm not mistaken. So God, I'm going to take the of- Cowboys just because they're at home. I honestly think I'm going to take the Rams. Okay. Which is weird, but I mean, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to dog you on it. Cause it's like, it's a coin flip. Yeah. <laughs> so the Falcons are going to San Fran dig on the 49ers upset alert midday. Honestly, the Falcons just put up a 40 piece last week. So lost Calvin Ridley for the year though. So uh, that I could hurt. Kidding. No, it's, they're not going to upset them. And they're definitely not going <laughs> to win on the road in San Fran. So I'll take the yeah. Niners, too. <laughs> Same. Uh, and then the uh, Browns. Who are they? The Browns. That's a color. I know that. <laughs> uh, the Browns are taking on the Cardinals out in Arizona. So we got a 4 o'clock game, which sucks, dude. I, I really like watching the Browns at 1. I agree. Um, 
because those four o'clocks don't end it until like midnight. It feels. Yeah, and I'm starting the to get pissed about the Browns and like the Browns fans and the Browns media and like Twitter is really just giving me a migraine every time I look oh. at it. Browns related, man. Absolutely, could not agree more. I'm very confused by this latest stuff. Not to go on a Browns tangent here, but let's go on a Browns tangent. Yeah, little, little, uh, like a little bit. We we can for a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but the Browns have won uh, four of their last five games. Which and, and normally yeah, and somebody's not happy about it. Normally would qualify <laughs> as a team getting hot, right? Uh, down the stretch, which in a way we are. Yeah, we probably should have won five of the last five because the Steelers game was stupid. But that's beside the point. I'm very glad we didn't do a show that week, so we couldn't be mad about that game. Oh, yeah. But, like, why do we have to be in the news about stupid shit all the time? Because people, like, we had all that hype in the summer, and so now every time something bad happens, like, they've got to say something. Like, Baker says, like, one thing and in the press conference and immediately gets backlash from, like, all all of ESPN's, like, analysts and, yeah. you know, their talk show. And I'm just like, dude. Talk about somebody else. We literally are six and seven. Give it up. Like we know that we like we know that we aren't probably going to the playoffs. We still are mathematically not eliminated yet. Need a ton of help. But like, yeah, just give it up. okay? and then they keep going about this damn Odell thing about how he's not happy and he's pissed off that he's not getting the ball, even though, you know, like you said, we won four out of our last five and Mary Kay Cabot is awful. She's the worst Browns beat reporter ever. I don't know why she refuses to let the local people be happy when she's a local reporter. But literally, yeah, like they like they're literally against their own team. Yeah, I don't confusing. get it. And it, Odell had a sports has a sports hernia that just came out this past week too. And like, okay, oh, Odell has a sports hernia. Oh, but he still wants to be traded, and he's telling teams to come get him and yeah. trade for him. Of course. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think Odell is a little bit dramatic because, I mean, everybody saw what he was like in New York. Like, he, he let the, the popularity and the stardom get to his head. And I think that's honestly why maybe he's freaking out a little bit or maybe he seems upset and also why the media is taking it like Odell's upset because he's no longer in New York. He's no longer in that spotlight. And it's like, he comes to Cleveland and it's just a different atmosphere. He's not the center of like the sports world in New York city, right? You know, where he can shine and it doesn't matter if his team's freaking four and 12 or five and 11, like they were pretty much his entire career. Mm hmm. Like he wants to win games. If if he really truly wants to win games, then he cannot be mad about his catches and you know his targets when we're coming out on top like we did this past weekend. True, but like I I think there's there's evidence that he's still putting out an effort when he's on the field. I mean, yeah, I saw a video where he wasn't in the huddle for one of the plays, but I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I didn't know what was going on. When that happened, it could have been like the end of the game. They're just definitely going to run it and burn the clock. I don't remember. But like he one on Chubb's long run, he's down there right with him blocking for him. It's like, Like, yeah. And like, I understand frustration. Yeah. And I understand frustration when, you know, you're in the game and you have the the emotions like while, you know, you're between the sidelines and, you know, the, the clock isn't at double zero or triple zero, whatever the hell. And, like, not getting the ball. Like, everybody wants the ball, especially when you're a playmaker like him. Yeah. But if 
if he is as as unhappy as all of these reporters are, you know, quote unquote reporting, which I don't trust any like anything that Mary Kay says or you know any of those Browns beat reporters, honestly. But if he's that unhappy, then I mean, I'm I don't even care if he is gone. Sure, we want people that are going to want to play for us, and that's never going to change. Right. So let's get back on track. I think was that a good? I think that was a good little. Yep. I'm satisfied. Thirst so, quenched. <laughs> so the Bills uh, are going to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers in an actual uh, important matchup, I think, for both of these teams. Who would have thought? Right. Yeah, this game, uh, I'm simply picking this one uh, on the side of the Bills because I don't like the Steelers and I want them to lose every week. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills because I think that they are actually a better team. Um, both of these teams are very good defensively, so I wouldn't be surprised if this game is like, you know, 13 10. Um, that sounds exactly right. I bet you get that on the nose. I hope I. You want to bet on it? Uh, no, I'm poor. <sighs> okay, good. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so we did miss a game because I'm stupid. Um, the We're Seahawks, stupid. <laughs> Seahawks are going to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Um, I'm going to pick the Seahawks mid to bounce back in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks too, just because the Panthers have looked terrible the last couple weeks. So fast forward to the Monday night. Uh, Colts are going to the Saints for that game. Um, I'm going to take the Saints. They just lost in that shootout with the 49ers. Fun game. Honestly, I wish the Saints would have won because I'm like a closet Saints fan, kind of. Um, but That's I'm going to okay. take the Saints in this one. I think it's okay to be a closet Saints fan because Drew Brees is the most likable quarterback. Great guy. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Mike Thomas is a Buckeye. So true. Mike Thomas is going to break the catch. So is their defense. So. <laughs> their defense is the Buckeyes defense. That's very true. They have every cornerback that's ever played. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm taking the Saints in the game, too. Love it. So that is our pick em for the week. Okay. And now midday, let's get into our special, our special shoot the shot um, podcast episode. What do you say? I would love to. I'm excited for this. So. In this episode, we're obviously nearing uh, the end of 2019, um, but I know it, act, it like it's insane. But I feel like we I'm all... still in eighth grade, so. Oh yeah, I kind of wish I was sometimes. Redo some shit. Just yeah, kidding. Um, but it is also nearing the end of a decade, and Mida and I were, you know, brainstorming about what we wanted to do for episodes coming up, and we thought it would be a great idea to talk about. You know, some of the the best sports moments, I'd say, um, of the 2010s uh, decade. So 2010 to 2019, that 10 year span, mm. um, because Mayday, I'd say that this is probably uh, the decade. I mean, obviously to this point, but um, we, we don't really have a lot of like like we remember things from the 2000s. But the back half of them, right? Sure. But we were still very young, like in the beginning. Like, I mean, I faintly remember the 2003 Fiesta Bowl where Ohio State sure. beat Miami. Like, I couldn't tell you really what happened in the game besides what I've seen on YouTube because I yeah. was, you know, like six or something like that. I don't. Yeah, know. we were. We're both born in 1996. So yeah, that was like the O2 season. So it was. We were so kindergarten, first grade. Yeah. So this is like the first decade I think that we really started to like get into you know, the sport world, um, more so like in depth, I'd say like the first full decade. So, uh, a lot of the things that we remember 
um, you know, we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, these are our identity. This sounds super dramatic and <laughs> emotional, but it's like identity defining moments sometimes yeah. because we're both pretty pretty big sports fans, and that's part of our personality. And it's I'm not going to apologize for it because it's the way I, I am, and it's the way you are. I know. And sports, we just love them. They're awesome, they make me happy. So, so right, right. And um, so, you know, I kind of want to go through. Like, I mean, with all the, you know, there's every year you could even make an argument. Like, there's that those walk off home runs and like moments like that. So, like walk off yeah. home runs, buzzer beaters, um, you know, fifteen twenty foot putts to win the Ooh, U.S. Open or the match. Golf. I had had to throw a golf reference in my man. So, you know, like these might not be, some of them are specific moments. Some of them are, um, you know, like season long moments, you know, like, like for example, the Yukon women's, uh, streak of 111 games, uh, which yeah. actually was a three year span that that occurred from, uh, 2014 to 2017. Mm. Uh, but these are just some, some miscellaneous moments midday that I want to first talk about before we get into specifically NBA and and NFL stuff. Um, so I'm going to go through my list and tell me if you had any more and then let's talk about them for a little bit. Sound good? Okay. Uh, the beginning of the NCAA football, like the college football playoff, uh, was in 2014. The teams were Ohio State was the four seed. Actually, they barely snuck in. A lot of controversy with TCU uh, that they should have been in. And then, you know, obviously Bama, Oregon, and um, Florida, Florida State. State. Were, was in that it was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota were the the Heisman quarterbacks in that one. But uh, you know that was also just a big moment because it was Ohio State and it was that run that they made at the end of the year where they, you know, they were just beating the hell out of those teams like Wisconsin. They beat them. I mean, 62-63 to nothing, and that's literally why they got in because they beat them that bad. Um, Zeke had three straight games of over two hundred yards and. It was against Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon in the national title. So that was pretty big and, and a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully a similar thing happens this year, obviously, but that was a big moment, I'd say, just because it was it was the beginning of um, the you know the college football playoff era. I, I would think the NCAA was very happy with how that one turned out with their inaugural season. The four knocking off the one seed in uh, Alabama – and Ohio State taking down Alabama and then going all the way, finishing it off, beating Oregon in the championship. It was like you always like to see the underdog in any situation win usually. That's what the the non-biased fan prefers mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. often than not. So I think as far as getting the, the country united in this four-team playoff, which remains to be seen if that gets expanded in the next coming years, but that was definitely a, a great outcome, not only for us as Ohio State fans, but – for the NCAA as a whole. Right. Especially for that inaugural, that inaugural college football playoffs uh, season. But um, the last thing I want to say about that one was I'm pretty sure Ohio state beat the three Heisman finalists too. It was like Wisconsin's running back. I can't even remember who it was. Monte ball. Maybe. It was Monte ball. I no, no. no. It was Melvin Gordon. Was it Melvin Gordon? I think so. Did Melvin Gordon go to Wisconsin? He did. He did. He did. I thought so. I can't remember if he was a Heisman. Anyway, so it was Melvin. It was yeah, Melvin Gordon or whoever the Wisconsin running back was, and then I'm pretty sure it was Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry for, yeah. for Alabama, and then that guy. Uh, yeah, and then um, 
Marcus Mariota. So it was like three Heisman finalists in a row that they just beat the hell out of. But let's move on. So the next one I had down um, was actually another NCAA uh, game where, you know, for the first time ever, a 16 seed beat a one seed, which is UMBC beating Virginia, which was two March Madnesses ago. Um, funny enough, Virginia came back and won the whole thing last year yeah which which was kind of like it was kind of cool because they really like shut all those people up um that were i mean they they got they got like harassed and just absolutely torn apart right and i'm okay with that entirely as a person who loves to make fun of things (laughs) true and i mean we're the people that we like like we got to say, like say that we saw uh, the first ever like 16 seed beat a one yeah. seed, and I'm pretty sure it was like 119 and 0 before that game or something crazy like that. Yeah, maybe even more. Yeah, it could have been more, but that one was just incredible, and they beat them by 20 too. Like it wasn't close. No, it was never close the whole game. In Virginia, the gripe on them is always they don't they can't really score a ton of points really fast. They're, they're yeah, a slow slow down the pace defensive minded college mm-hmm. basketball team, which. You know, it doesn't work when you're down 20 early. So Right, right. Yeah. So, but I am happy for Virginia that they were able to, like, honestly, like, it's going to be there forever, and they're going to be the only number one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. But they also did come back the next year and win it all. Um, Great way to stop under, the jokes. Yeah, under all that pressure that they had coming back as a number one seed again, too. So it's like, like all the pressure's on as soon as that first game started again they were like i think they started down too like five it was yeah like, it was like 15 to 10 or something and then everybody's like oh here we go again the whole first half i think was the game was kind of in limbo but yeah that's how march so, madness goes always yeah so speaking of march madness one of the other games i think that was one of the more exciting games of the decade was that villanova unc game um a couple of years back where uh it was back and forth all game long and uh point guard for the Tar Heels, Marcus Page, hit like a double clutch three from the yeah. right wing. Scissor kicking uh, his legs out. Yeah, and everybody went nuts. It was like 74 all. There was two and a half seconds left. And I was like watching this game. I'm like, okay, it's going to overtime. Mm-hmm. And Villanova comes down the court. Uh, Ryan Archidiacono crosses like to the middle, pitches the ball back to uh, – Michael Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, neither one of those guys is him. Jenkins uh, <laughs> for the win, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think, was that Gus Johnson that was calling that game? In the I past? wish, but it I was Jim remember. Nance, actually. Oh, damn. That was CBS on the broadcast. Yeah, so, but yeah, Jenkins hit that hit that for the win, and it was just insane. One of the best finishes to uh, a, a March Madness. Um, Perfect, yeah. Yeah, tournament I think I've ever seen. So, mm-hmm. So that was that other one. Uh, that I had kind of about about college sports. You could speak a little bit more on this one, more recent, but it was, you know, one of the the biggest moments I think in this decade was this year when Tiger yeah. won that 2019 Masters. I, you know, you know, I don't watch much golf, but sure, I watched a lot of that, and I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of that. And I think didn't we watch some of that together? I not really sure about that. I can't remember. No, I don't think we did. Maybe we were texting about it, and I thought we were together because Probably. it was just so we just have emotional. such a connection with our work. <laughs> it's such a big moment. But talk but about yeah. that for yeah for the, a little bit. The, the, that's 
the impact of that moment on it's hard to say on the decade because it was at the end of it but in terms of comebacks not only just in golf not only just in like american sports but like in the history of sports that is such an improbable comeback he's had so many procedures done on him whether it's his back or his achilles or his knees or he's like he's got wrist and arm and shoulder trouble and his neck hurts and it's We've seen him break his leg in the 2008 U.S. Open and tear his ACL, and that's fine. He was in his mid-30s. But now when you come and you play golf at this high of a level into your 40s as he is, he's 43 now, about to turn 44. It's just so – like you, you just can't do that. That's like you can't even write a storybook. And it was 14 years after his last Masters victory, which is one of the biggest gaps between victories that there ever was in itself let alone going through all the, the injuries and the controversies and the the uh, Thanksgiving night crashing yeah. his car stuff. I mean, he really hit like a rock bottom. No, as rock bottom as you can get, getting pulled over with that mug shot and yeah. there's drugs in his system and he doesn't even – he thinks he's in California and he's pulled over in Florida. Like that's <laughs> – I don't even know how you get to that point to begin with. But right. then to, to rise back up so quickly and triumphantly, it's – and then he's hugging his son on the back of the green. It's just like it's the perfect moment. Yeah. For especially as a golfer, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that was something I definitely had to throw in there. As recent as it was, like I mean, you said it's gonna maybe not be remembered so much during the decade, but uh, I mean, Tiger's legacy, like people are gonna remember Tiger as, you know, the greatest golfer, correct of all time, and that's just something that you say like, Oh, remember when he won the masters, like after everything happened, everything that happened to him, you know, he came back in 2019 and won the masters at 43 years old. Mm. Insane. Quickly going through these, these next two. um, One of them's kind of heartbreaking for us, but it was, you know, when the Cubs won their first world series in 108 years, Uh, they did come back from three, one. And it was against our Indians, which, was so sad because I was like right outside the stadium during that game seven when Raja hit that that home run off of Chapman and yeah. everybody was just going nuts and I swear to God we would have won that game if it wasn't for a rain delay. The rain delay, the dumbest ten minute rain delay I have ever experienced. Why did they even call it? Like it wasn't raining have. that hard. They one hundred percent shouldn't have. I've seen games that they keep playing in ten times worse rain, but we'll try to keep our bias out of this. Yeah. But I think you could argue that. The bigger moment might have been that Rajay home run. Like if yeah. you just like felt you were there, you said outside the stadium, oh, even on and, TV, you could just. And there was feel probably yeah, and there was the probably emotion. like fifteen hundred people outside of that, like in that you know that that middle area between yeah. uh, Rocket Mortgage and and I almost said Jacobs Field. I wish, which is impressive because you got the the Rocket Mortgage Field. Oh, that was correct. Yeah, I wanted to say the Q, and I said that's not it. So I was like, yeah. all right, the, the Q and Jacobs Field is what I was gonna say. Yeah, the Richfield <laughs> Coliseum, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but there was probably 1,500 to you know 2,000 people out in that area, if not more. I mean, sure, I wasn't counting everybody, but game uh, seven, it was just insane. And he hit that ball, and you heard the stadium go nuts first because obviously on TV there's the delay, right? So yeah. you hear the stadium go nuts, and we're all like, "Oh my God, something what just happened. happened!" And he hits the ball, and I couldn't even hear what the announcer said. Like, like, yeah. like it was quiet because we're all watching the game, all you know, two. 2,000, 3,000 of us outside are like, you can hear the announcer still. And then he hits the ball, and you literally can't hear anything. You just see the ball leaving the yard, and we're yeah. like, we're going to win a World Series and an NBA Finals in, in the same year. 
more on that yeah. later for sure. Yeah. So, um, and then the last one, not really a lot to speak about, but it is incredible because it did happen during this decade, but American Pharaoh winning that triple crown 37 yes. years after the last one. So that you had to throw that in there, dude. Horse racing is no, that's fun. history. Oh, like I'm not a, a horse racing guy. I only watched no. the, the Kentucky Derby. Obviously. Mostly the Derby. Yeah. But I still remember fond memories of being in high school at your house and we, we, win prizes that your parents bought for us uh, betting on the derby <laughs> horses but yeah um yeah i've always liked horse racing and then the secretariat obviously that triple crown winner those one of the better disney movies that exists yeah. uh yeah american biscuit Seabi- of course <laughs> racing stripes that was a zebra i think but whatever <laughs> yeah so that one i just had to throw in there because i definitely thought that was awesome and cool and part of our you know that decade of sports that we witnessed uh so let's move on to the nba midday i know this is your favorite um i love basketball do you want to do the nfl let's do the nfl first actually all right so one of the moments that i threw in there was you know not related to stats or records or you know like championships but iconic and you know when people shoot a basketball and like hit a fadeaway and say kobe uh, I think this is something now that kids do when they throw up that one hand to try to catch the football and they say Odell. And I'd say that, you know, a an iconic moment, you know, in this decade was Odell's catch um, on that Sunday night game against the Cowboys where, you know, he went up with one hand and just pinned it between three fingers. Um, I mean, that's what he's going to be known for throughout his entire career is the catch. Yeah. It was uh, definitely an identity creator, a logo creator for him. Yeah. And just increased his, blew up his brand, his personal brand that he had. It really did. And yeah, I just, I had to, I had to talk about that just because of the, the impact. Like, like I mentioned the, you know, where kids like shoot trash into the trash can and say Kobe. I just feel like, you know, now you'll be throwing the football around and somebody will be the one that says Odell and then they'll try to throw up that one hand and catch the ball. And most people fail, but of course it's not a good idea to try to catch it one handed. No, you should the kids out there. <laughs> Use the other one. Yeah. That's why you were born with it. Uh, but then the other one, um, the other couple of things have to do with the Patriots. So we're going to skip those. Uh, <laughs> no, just we kidding. Say but, one. We could say at least one. No, the the two were both Super Bowl moments, and um, you know, I didn't actually mention Julian Edelman's catch, um, but it was the the, the twenty eight to three comeback in general, uh, which was part of that game. But you know, ha- that was the biggest comeback I think in Super Bowl history, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely by a lot. Twenty five, yeah, twenty five points uh, down twenty eight to three, and um, you know, just. Tom Brady being Tom Brady and not letting any of the pressure get to him and just like, you know, taking it one score at a time. Yeah. Uh, also can thank the Falcons for, you know, changing their entire offensive game plan that game. Why wouldn't they run the ball? <laughs> not even sure. Uh, but the next one I had was um, Super Bowl 49 when everybody's going to, you know, question Pete Carroll for the rest of his coaching career about why he didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line Yes, to win that game. Um, and it ends up being Malcolm Butler intercepting that, like, quick slant that Russell Wilson threw. And there's all those, there's all those you know, speculation, those rumors and the, the um, what's the word? 
conspiracies that, you know, yep. Pete Carroll wanted Russell Wilson to be the hero, not Marshawn Lynch, because, you know, secretly, like, he didn't like Marshawn and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, I genuinely think that he just he just thought that that was the better play at the time. And, I mean, here's the thing. it was, Wasn't it first down? Like, take a chance running it first. That's the safest bet. Sure. Hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty, but the reality is yeah. if – the ball just drops incomplete, or if they pull it off, then it's a totally different story. Right. And who knows what happens to the Patriots, you know? Yeah, true, very true. Um, and then the last one I had for some of the NFL things was, was Peyton Manning um, just setting the career touchdown, uh, the passing touchdown record, broke Brett Favre's record. Um, you know, I think it was the 2013 season, I want to say, when they, yeah. uh, when they won the Super Bowl against uh, Carolina. You know, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the top three, top five greatest quarterbacks of all time. Definitely. Um, so I just wanted to to throw that in there. Uh, any other NFL moments you you can think of, though? Browns going on sixteen. That's one. The Browns being <laughs> an absolute train wreck for two whole seasons did not quite make the list. No. No. Um, yeah, as far as moments of the decade, I think those those pretty much cover it for the big ones. Maybe. Yeah. Like. If you want to talk about like a negative moment, the whole thing with the replacement refs, I think, was pretty significant. Right. Oh, it's definitely part of it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that was a, a big issue because I remember one game specifically. It was like the Seahawks and the Packers and the uh, Seattle guy or the, the Packers guy like completely intercepted the ball and the Seahawks guy. He was Golden Tate. Had like yeah. a pinky on the ball and the ref called it a touchdown. Right. And it was like, what? They just um, had no idea what they're doing and – I guess the refs won that because the yeah. NFL had to come crawling back to their feet and bring them back. Yeah. yeah. At least and the then, refs are good now, right? <laughs> <laughs> eh, wrong. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, maybe not so much football related, but the, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. Uh, we're not going to get into it politically, but that was definitely a big impact on the NFL, I'd say, in general. Sure. Um, and more negative press. You could talk about Deflategate, too. Yeah. This decade, but yeah, we'll, we'll try to be happy most of this. Yeah, we yeah. won't get into the controversial stuff. So let's talk. Let's get into more of the NBA stuff because I know we're gonna talk about this a little bit longer. the The first three that I want to mention aren't like intertwined together in any way, and then the other three we can kind of talk about how they like affected each other and and stuff like that. But um, I mean, kind of starting the the twenty tens right off in that that July. That July day when I was sitting in a hotel room and LeBron is in a boys club, I think. Yep. Uh, in New boys Jersey. And girls club. Boys and girls club in New Jersey, wasn't it? Right. And uh, the decision was definitely something that's always going to be, you know, a a cloud, I think, over LeBron's career. You know, as great as his career has been, like, there's always going to be those people that just, like, mention the decision. And yeah. That was definitely one of the bigger moments of this decade, and it happened, you know, right at the beginning. Um, but yeah, let's let's. You're the big, you're the big, the bigger LeBron fan here. So let's let you talk about that for a little bit. Um. So yeah, I was. We were in eighth grade, I believe it was the summer before freshman year of high school for us. Yeah, and I remember exactly where I was sitting the day it happened. I was at a restaurant at Roosters, Roosters restaurant. There's 30,000 TVs in there, sports a bar. Fun, 
a fun casual joint. Fun casual joint, no <laughs> doubt. Sponsored by. Just kidding. Um, but I was in there with my parents, and we were just sitting in a booth, and we, everyone in the in the in the place knows what they're there for. Watching all the TVs are on that channel. And in my heart, I was still thinking I was fooling myself that he was going to resign. But the reality is, when you saw a few days earlier that Wade and Bosch go on PTI and announce that they'll be playing together in Miami, it it really should have been over there. I thought Bosch went after LeBron. No, they went before. Mm, they both yeah. Wade and Bosch were on TV together. Um, but so one of the things that I remember. Sorry, I don't mean to catch off, but wasn't no, uh, wasn't the supposed reason that they went to Miami was because that was the only team that that could afford them. So I think that's part of it, but when you like when you break it down, they kind of all took pay cuts in a way to play right. them, no matter what. And my thing is when you're making that much money, what's the difference between nineteen million at that time and fourteen million when it comes to winning championships, which is what they got together for. Right. Specifically LeBron. I mean he needed the championships for his legacy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when he announced on TV that he's taking his talents to South Beach, like you just feel everyone's heart in that place drop. And there's like legitimately women and men, doesn't matter their gender, I don't want to assume, but they were crying. <laughs> Adult humans were crying because uh, a 26-year-old decided yeah. to leave their sports town. And it like you can't understate the impact that LeBron James has on not only like the sports teams, of Northeast Ohio, but legitimately the economy and the general yeah. happiness of the citizens. Yeah. I mean, he brought hope to like Cleveland fans because like the Browns were bad and the Indians were just like playing baseball. Like, like they weren't good or bad. They were just like, you know, very average and there wasn't much yeah. excitement. And we get this 18 year old kid from Akron, like right down the road yep. in 2003. And I mean, like the, the emotional impact that he had just, bringing hope to like the sports fans of Cleveland and not even to mention like financially what he did for the city, like right. Incredible, but hundreds of millions of dollars worth of impact. Yeah. So, um, the other thing was, you know, like the, like kind of a a turning point in LeBron's legacy. Um, but it was this next one I'm going to mention this next moment is kind of the end of a, an era. And it was, uh, uh, Kobe's 60 point game in his, in his mm-hmm. final game, uh, which I just had to mention because I mean, so many people, uh, like I'm not one of these people, but so many people throw Kobe into that top five player argument. Um, and they're wrong. Yeah. Just to throw they, that out there. <laughs> they are. Yeah. But the fact that like he, you know, has made that big of an impact on basketball fans that people actually think that he, like, like you know, like he was, he was he, an iconic player, and he, he was, is he an played, icon. He Absolutely. played for the Lakers for what was it, twenty years? Or was it nineteen? I think it was nineteen or eighteen, okay. something like that. Yeah, Maybe uh, yeah. The a Achilles lot. definitely his cut his cut his his career, I think, a little bit short. But right. uh, for him to like, I mean, struggling all year, he's probably averaging like 10, 11 points a game or something even worse than that in that last season, and comes out and scores sixty. Granite. It was on 50 shots. Um, but nobody's going to look at that and be like, wow, we did it on 50 shots. Well, like, it wasn't the, efficient. Yeah. They're going to look at, you know, the fact that it was his final game in the Staples Center. They had an eight and a 24 on either side of the court. Like 
it was Kobe's night, and he came out and hit the game winner and scored 60 points. Yeah. And I, I remember going Before to bed. Utah Jazz, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember going to bed that night, and I fell asleep at halftime because I'm pretty sure I had to wake up early, and that was, you know, a 10.30 start. Yeah, the West so, Coast games are a killer. And it's like he's got 27 at the half, and I was like, wow, Kobe's got 27. Like, what a great final game. I'm going to bed. And I wake up, and it's like Kobe scored 60, and everybody's freaking out. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, absolutely You insane. missed it. You missed the moment. I did, I, and then I rewatched it on yeah. uh, YouTube and on Sports Center. I only had to just turn on Sports Center, and the whole game oh. was replaying all day because it was Kobe yeah. Day. Sure, and I'm okay with it because he's truthfully, as we said, one of the iconic figures, not just in the last decade, but like last thirty years. He's he's up oh, there. Yeah. He's just not a top five player. I mean, you just have to break it down stats, numbers. We'll get it. That's a different podcast. Yeah, but. Yeah, that moment was awesome. I remember watching that. I couldn't believe that they actually got it to the point where it was going to be a game Mm -hmm. because the the Lakers sucked that year, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, Julius Randle, I think, shot the ball in the fourth quarter and like everyone booed him basically because (laughs) Kobe was allowed to shoot. Um, But yeah, it was a great moment, uh, a perfect end to to his career. And I'm totally okay that they just let him shoot as many times as his little heart wanted because – Let's be honest. Once Shaq left, that's what he did anyway. So yeah, it was a fitting, fitting close to the Kobe Bryant book, right? And then the uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was um, Russell Westbrook, actually. Who you know me, and sometimes I kind of give him a lot of shit, but uh, <laughs> averaging a triple double for you know the first the first season specifically, uh, I think he was it was it two more seasons after that? Did he average it for three seasons in a row, or was it two in a row? It was three. Three in a row. So the last two kind of got overlooked, I think, because he had already done it. But that first season when he won MVP, um, because he averaged the triple-double for the first time since Oscar. Yeah. Was it first time since Oscar? And then also broke the record for most triple-doubles in a season with 42. Mm. Uh, That's that over just, half. Yeah, just in, like insane. I mean, the fact that a 6'3 guard can go up and get Ten and a half rebounds, like the the points and the assist is one thing, but to also go up and get ten and a half rebounds is, you know, absurd and something that I definitely needed to mention when yeah. we talked about this this decade because it hasn't been done since Oscar Robertson, right? Whose picture is in black and white most of the time, so you, <laughs> right. you know you're doing something cool when you're compared to black and white pictures, right? The the next three, as I mentioned, are kind of intertwined, and I want to get into this a little bit. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors going seventy three and nine in two thousand sixteen, breaking the Bulls' record of that that seventy two and ten for the most wins in a regular season. Let's talk about that first. I mean, I know that we we dislike the Warriors, but we are still basketball fans, and we can respect how great that season was, especially since they did it so naturally, like through the draft, how they built their team. You know, before Kevin Durant coming there and kind of ruining it, but right, you know, you had Steph and Clay. You know the the Splash Brothers backcourt, then Draymond fitting in pretty much perfectly. But that entire season was just like insane for them. It was really no, like nothing else I've ever seen. I'd ever seen, and I know I'm I sound ignorant in saying that as a 23 year old sitting here, but I, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable on basketball history, and I've seen a lot of the old Bulls games when they went to 72 and 10. Mm-hmm. 
with Michael Jordan. It's a whole lot of mid-range pull-ups, Michael Jordan being Michael Jordan. But this uh, Warriors team moved the ball so incredibly and shot the ball at such a high percentage. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the best two shooters in NBA history. And the combination of the two with Clay being able to come off of screens and just be that catch-and-shoot guy not needing to dribble. And Steph being able to shoot off the dribble as well as he can from three and come off screens himself. It's a nightmare. And it's an absolute, like, you can just tell when they were motivated to win every single game, they were going to try to win every single game. Now, whether or not that attitude hurt them down the line in the playoffs, you know, that's one man's opinion. Right. And we'll... get into that in a second yeah it was <laughs> incredible to see 73 wins in a season they i think they won what the first 25 straight they almost didn't lose until christmas yeah it was insane. like it's, and, it's just never going to be done again honestly. right so. and they like you know people will make those that there's that saying that you live and die by the three but like they i don't even know how yeah, like I wouldn't. I don't even want to say they were just living by it. Like they were like prospering by the three. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good word for it. They. I mean, there was never a game where they lost because they shot too many threes. Yeah, and like they really, I mean, truly, this team. I mean, not this team specifically, like the Warriors in general, but I mean, changed the game of basketball all the way down to the youth level because hundred percent. And like specifically Steph Curry, because, you know, obviously he was the face of this team and the Warriors and what he was able to do outside of the arc as an undersized guard, you know, 6'2". They say 6'3", but I'm going to say 6'2", probably a buck 80, buck 85. On a good day, yeah. And, you know, what he can do 5, 10 feet beyond the arc, 15 feet beyond the arc, just change the game of basketball all the way down, like you know, to the youth level because all these kids now another one of those Kobe situations where like kids will shoot the fadeaway and say Kobe or they'll throw up the one handed catch and say Odell. It's like Yeah. Now people say Curry when they pull up from half court. Which is not necessarily a positive impact, no. I would say, if we're talking about youth and even high school basketball. No, that's not how you should play for sure. But it yeah. is like people the impact admire is, it. Is, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um so you know, obviously, then that season took a turn for the worst for the Warriors, not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but not for America, the 2016, you know, LeBron-led Cleveland Cavaliers coming back from that three-one deficit. Midday, don't cry when we talk about this, but I want you to to kind of give your, you know, your reaction and and just. Let's let, like look back on that 2016 season, and not even the season, but just that that finals. Yeah, and talk about it. So, yeah, it's really hard to uh, encapsulate the whole story in this brief little podcast that we're going to have about it. But I'll start with uh, talking about how they got to a game seven to begin with was so improbable because they go down obviously three one. I don't know if you've heard, but the Warriors did blow a three one lead in the NBA Finals, but. Specifically, the 73-win Warriors team. Yeah. So they had that extra thing. And I th- well, that was the year that Steph won the unanimous MVP. Also. Right. So they have that extra uh, added extra flavor and maybe pressure. Who knows? But we get to the game five when we're down 3-1 and we're back in Oracle uh, out there in Oakland. And we were watching the game 
and there was just so much nervous energy because you knew that it was over. Like for whatever reason, it was like we're just going to try, and there's nothing we can do. This is a buzzsaw of a team. Yeah, I mean, you it think you have stopped? Yeah, it was the greatest team ever in the regular season. So right, we went down three one, and we were just like shit. Yeah, it's like well, I guess one more game we, in Cleveland and two in Oracle of LeBron's prime. Yeah, yeah, but and then you feel like you have it under control with limiting Steph, limiting Clay, and I mean Draymond's not a scorer, but he's he's an incredible player to have on your team. And then you get like Festus Azili scores, and then Sean Livingston hits his 15th straight pull-up jumper from the foul line. But yeah, it didn't happen. Kyrie and LeBron come out and slap 41 each on in Game Five. Uh, they go to Game Six so after fun. they claim that oh that wouldn't happen with Draymond on the floor because Draymond was suspended for that game five because he karate chopped LeBron and the baby maker uh and got suspended. I so, thought he was suspended for six. No, he was he did it in game four in Cleveland and was suspended for five. Oh, it was in Cleveland, that's right. Because LeBron yeah. was wearing the white. Yep, yep. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then he's not there for five and it's like, oh he wouldn't have done that with Draymond and then Game six, Cleveland, LeBron again scores 41 with Draymond right there in front of him. So mouth that open narrative. and everything. That, yeah, mouth breathing, <laughs> donk, uh, donkey from Shrek looking. Shrek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but game six, we obviously were never going to lose game six at home with LeBron James on our team. And then we go to game seven, and Kyrie hits the big shot. As we know, Kevin Love gets a stop. But it was the most – stressful last five minutes of the worst basketball I've ever uh, seen. Yes. Neither team could score. Everyone <laughs> was tight on the floor. I'm I'm going to tell you where I was watching this game. I was actually outside the queue, the queue at the time, uh, watching with however many thousand people on the street with yeah. some people that I, you know, nothing against them, but I don't think I've ever watched another game with them. <laughs> Or will just, ever again. Probably. It was such a weird situation, and it was Father's Day, and I like in the back of my mind, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if my dad's watching this game. I feel like I should be with him." But like, there was just so many things going on, and so much tension, and somehow they pull it off. Kyrie hits the shot. The Warriors choose not to score. Steve Kerr leaves Festus Azili on the floor way too long. Uh, so many things went our way, and. I don't know. It just really was one of the greatest moments of my life so far. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think that's as sad as it might sound uh, to the non-sports fan out there. But let's be honest. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a sports fan. <coughs> so you get Fair it too. Enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I was actually in Sherrodsville, uh, Ohio. That's the city. The basketball camp, that summer basketball camp. I was helping coach. And we were watching the game at um, – a local watering hole <laughs> and um yeah i just i was with uh austin hill shout and, out uh, and and coach and coach lee foster shout out and uh yeah we were just chilling there eating some pizza drinking some beverages and it just like like i'll never forget being there because like i remember the block i remember the stop and i remember Kyrie's shot and it's just like I mean, to this point, we are now three years later, and I just can't even like describe what I felt. Besides, it was just like, like you said, it was like one of the greatest moments ever. Like, yeah, I mean, like the 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 Ohio State probably 2014 national title, 
is right up there with it. Um, but it was just a little different because, like, I mean, it was the city of Cleveland. Like, definitely. Like, that's what the city was waiting for so long was just like some sort of championship and like not a knock on the Browns. Right. And not a knock on the, on the, the Cavs championship. Like I still think that a Browns championship would be the, the, the biggest thing to ever happen in the city of Cleveland and the city might blow up if that ever happened. Let's hope. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But like that, I mean, just bringing some sort of championship, to Cleveland, led by led by LeBron, though, like the, the guy, prodigal that, son, returned. As we mentioned, yeah, as we mentioned, left us in 2010, comes back and delivers, you know, what he promised us that he was going to bring a championship. Um, it was just remarkable and so special, and I'll never, I mean, never forget it. I'll be, you know, 70 years old, telling my grandkids about the last time the Cavs won an NBA championship because <laughs> they probably won't have one. <laughs> <laughs> they won't have a second one the way things are going um god i just don't even think that's a joke either no i don't but, either and it sucks but like i'm so glad that yeah you know we were in a way the perfect age for it to happen you know yeah. like we yeah, were, were middle of college really don't have any kind of worries in the world just can enjoy the moment and right like, stay up late whatever i will say about that uh this is how you know it had an impact on people that are that grew up in this northeast ohio area I've, there's a short list of – I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I've seen my father cry. And when the Cavs pulled that one off, that was that was one of the times. So, Oh, that's awesome. It, it just means so much to the it people. It does. It does. And I was it, thinking about that today when I was listening to uh, some of the other podcasts. I was talking about those 30 for 30 podcasts. Uh, yeah. Shout out. Yeah. And I, uh, I told you that I like – like was starting to like tear up at some of these like moments that people were talking about. And like, sure. Their description of them was just so good. And the one I'm referring to in particular was like, you know, the, the first game in the Superdome after hurricane Katrina absolutely just destroyed new Orleans and left so many people hopeless. And they won that game. And one of the most iconic moments during that game was that blocked punt. Yeah. Um, Gleason, right? Yeah. That the saints player had. And, uh, there's now a statue outside the stadium um, of that, like that particular play, I guess. Uh, but like the, I was thinking about, you know, when what sports moment do I think that I would cry or at least like like start to tear up? And I think that it would be a Brown Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did a fair amount of crying with the Cavs championship. Um, did you? But I don't even have that many years of hardship built up. But the right. Browns, the Browns would be. A, a more universally appreciated one in the area too. Cause I mean, let's be honest, football runs the world still, or mm-hmm. at least the country. Sorry. Let me fix yeah. that. Different kind of football <laughs> runs football. the world. But yeah, I mean, sports are, are incredible in that they have this, this uniting capability and this ability to just provide hope when, like you said with Katrina, maybe there isn't too much hope in the grand scheme of things, but when you can just, right. Like, and they talked the, about it's the yeah, perfect they, distraction is right. what it's like be. they talked about like how they've got to get the stadium fixed because like it's just it, it like obviously you know the importance was and the focus was on you know fixing the roads and getting people's houses fixed and getting them back into their houses and and stuff like that but you know that th- those particular things like fixing the road and fixing individual like families houses 
wasn't something that was, you know, quite going to unite the entire city and, and strengthen the entire city like a football stadium and bringing their football team back, um, you know, could possibly do, especially since so many people like were, were seeking refuge in the Superdome during the, the hurricane. Yes, so, exactly. Exactly. Um, but the, you know, the Cavs then came back from that three, one, that three, one final. And it, kind of just sparked a, a train of events. Um, you know, obviously we know that the Warriors or the Cavs were not the only team that came back from a three, one deficit that postseason. the, the Warriors did it in the Western conference finals against, uh, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant when they were on the Oklahoma city thunder. Wow. That sounds like decades ago. Doesn't um, it though? Isn't that crazy? It, it's so weird. Um, but then there's that those rumors of Draymond Green calling Kevin Durant in the parking lot saying we need yep. you. Not a rumor. And <laughs> and confirm. Yeah. And um, you know, then Kevin joining them that offseason and honestly, I mean creating the 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 greatest basketball team ever of all time. Yeah. Yep. And I mean and I don't I mean they didn't break that seventy three and nine mark, but I mean if you're a basketball fan, you know. Yeah, and then that just sparked, you know, the whole like, then Kyrie moving uh, or requesting a trade because, uh, and, I, and it wasn't just because of the the Kevin Durant thing, but I mean, you can't tell me that if the Cavs win another Finals that season, that Kyrie still wants to leave. Like, you don't win two Finals in a row and then request a trade, right? Uh, Maybe um, you do. So there's going to be a player weird <laughs> enough. It's yeah, tough, but that's fair. That's fair. I'm a lot um, less upset about it if we have two championships. Yeah. So, so then, you know, Kyrie goes to Boston and I know that you and I were pretty adamant on the fact that LeBron was ending his career in Cleveland. Um, but yeah. I think, and I think LeBron, that was, he had every intention to do so until the yeah, Kyrie thing. Yeah. So, I mean, then LeBron ends up in LA and, you know, it, it was just like a domino effect from the, the, I guess we can blame, you know, Oklahoma city for blowing that first three, one lead. That's probably their fault. True. You could blame him for that, and you could even go back a little bit further and blame him for the James Harden trade. Oh, yeah. If you want to play the what if game with this <laughs> in basketball, like that's true. They yeah, traded James Harden true. over like four and a half million dollars in contract difference, which is stupid. So and now and now he's going to be. I mean, I mean, realistically too, he's what he's doing this season. I mean, he's going to probably go down as one of the best. You know, one on one scorers of all time yeah i mean it's hard to deny a guy averaging 40 yeah in 2019 so so i mean that's kind of all the the moments that i have uh anything else kind of you want to talk about popping your head from this decade of wonderful sports memories that we were able to witness yeah so i think i feel a little bit bad like i'm gonna leave some things out but yeah human nature we're only about an hour show here give us a break um I do want to shout out like Usain Bolt winning three straight world's fastest man gold yeah. medals. Michael Phelps too. Phelps with all yeah. his medals. He's Simone the most Biles, decorated. Yep. If we want to get into that, um, like Leicester City in the Premier League. I want to talk a little soccer here on you a little bit, but they were something like five thousand to one odds to win the Premier League. Oh, that's and right. They pulled off that championship, which is basically you can't even make an equivalent for American sports, but. It's, would basically be like the Cavs this season winning the NBA title. Like it, it was insurmountable odds. So that's nuts, yeah. 
So that's, I mean, obviously never going to happen anytime soon. So that's a key moment in the decade. Yeah. Um, but other than that, really, that's pretty much it. Baseball, like you said, the Cubs championship is really the only defining right moment. And of- I mean, yeah, there's like no hitters. I mean, there's no hitters. There's those walk-off home runs. Um, but it's just such a long season and so much goes on. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, and it's the, in third place for sports. So yeah, and the playoffs. I mean, in the playoffs, so much happens. I mean, you've got, you know, all of those those comebacks and those walk off home runs, walk off hits. Uh, you could mention Derek Jeter's last at bat. Yeah, though that walk off um, in his last Who's ever at bat as a Yankee. I mean, Floyd Floyd Mayweather is probably another guy you could throw in there for the decade. Boxing is a little played out. Just, yeah, but His never. Story. I mean, never lost. Uh, a lot of Pacquiao fights. I don't know how many rematches they had, but yeah. So, okay, so you're you're good. So now I can ask you my uh, my. I can give you my my question. I guess for you. Yeah, I um, think I'm satisfied. So. We don't have a traditional top five, but I told Mide that I would have a top five for him, and I want him to kind of we're gonna workshop. Know, help, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna help me with a little bit here. So I wanted to do a top five of the top five hot five caliente cinco. Oh yeah, give 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 us it, give us it. Caliente cinco, feeling hot hot hot, feeling hot hot hot. The caliente cinco. Of the um, top five athletes of the decade, and, oh, uh, wow, yeah. So I've got a list here, and I'm gonna give you probably three that I think should be on it. Okay. Um, and it's Tom Brady. Yep. LeBron James. Yep. And Serena Williams. Yes, all three are correct. As long as we're not going in any order. No. So, I mean, I would say LeBron's one, not being biased, but the dominance that this man has. I mean, from let, let me just throw out some stats for you. So from, you know, 2009-2010 season to uh, the 2019-2020 season, he's averaged 27 points, 7.7 boards, 7.7 assists, uh, has, has three, does he have three championships? Is that right? Three championships in the three championships, decade, yeah. Correct. Three championships. Um, I mean, you can't you can't give me anybody more dominant throughout the entire decade than he was. Like, like people will try to say Steph, but like, I mean, Steph showed up when in twenty fifteen. People so are allowed halfway. to be wrong, and they would be wrong. <laughs> but uh, and then Serena. I mean, not a lot of people know tennis stuff. I don't know a lot of tennis stuff, but. She, I know enough to know that Serena Williams is the most dominant tennis yeah. player, men or women, honestly. Yes, and not even like it's not like she she might be one of the like when you're naming top ten athletes ever. I think she's on the list. Yeah, no one else on the list that you're gonna name uh, won a major in their sport while four months pregnant. So yeah, exactly. And um, you know, one of the other things that she did during this decade uh, was she was ranked uh, number one for. 186 weeks straight, mm. which there's only yeah, 52 weeks in one year. Right. So you do the math. <laughs> that was from February, 2013 till September, 2016. No other female tennis player saw a one before her name. Amazing. Like True. that's how you dominate a sport. Honestly. Absolutely. And then Tom Brady, 
it, like you could argue him a top five player from the previous decade too, which is also incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's, this is year 20. Yeah. So, I mean, everything that he's done, you know, with the Patriots has been remarkable. This whole decade has just been like when you think of the the greatest quarterback of the decade, it's going to be Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. Yeah. So those are the three that I said were locks. So we got to think about I need, these last two. But I need two more, yes. And like I've got a couple. And Michael Phelps is one of them that I think could be on there. Okay. Just because of what he did in 2012 and 2016. You know, racking up 12 medals overall, nine gold, becoming the most decorated Olympian of all time. Ever. Yeah. Uh, I think that secures one. it. Okay. So, so Michael Phelps is in there as well. He can be uh, in there. Yep. The last spot is definitely tough. And, you know, part of me wants to say, like, there's just so many people you can throw in there. I mean, Usain Bolt, you mentioned. Yeah. Is, is one, um, 2012 and 2016. That doesn't even count his, his 2008. The uh, most iconic of the three, to be honest. Right. Right. Slowed up for the last 20 minutes. (laughs) Breaks the world record. Yeah. Really hard to fathom that. Uh, I think the issue we run into here is, is do we want to repeat a sport? So we got LeBron for basketball, Tom Brady for football. Serena covers the tennis. Phelps is, you can say, the Olympics. So, like, do we feel the need to throw a baseball player? Because there really isn't one. Right. Like, the only baseball player. Like, it's just so hard to pick a baseball player, in my opinion, because, like, I mean, you can say Clayton Kershaw has been dominant, but, like, but dude, you win, a, win a World Series, please. championships did he win? Right. Yeah. And right. then you, you can say the same thing with Mike Trout, who didn't yeah. – I, I, he didn't play the entire decade in right. a way. I mean, he started in 2011, but he didn't really play that many games. So right. he's on a shortened decade span and, again, win something. You know, yeah, and I want to say like like you've got I mean Simone Biles, Ronaldo, Messi, but like Ronaldo, Messi to me are just two head to head. Like I like I mean I feel like the guys, the people that we have mentioned, sorry Serena, the people that we have mentioned have just been so dominant in their sport throughout like if not the whole decade, but like a majority of the decade. And like Messi and Ronaldo have been like neck and neck the entire time. Uh. I mean, Biles, I guess, has won. I mean, she's won 25 world medals in her career. Right. And, at, and she's 22 years old. Like, I don't know anything about gymnastics. She's, she's that... going to do the same thing in 2020 in, in Tokyo. But that will be technically the next decade. And she didn't really start her dominance until 2016 Summer right. Olympics, with as far as the public eye goes, we'll say. But right. she is the greatest Olymp- like uh, Olympic gymnast, any gymnast, not just Olympic, like ever. I mean, everyone agrees with that. Right. Doesn't matter what country you're from. She's inventing moves that they have to like call illegal. Like it's like <laughs> it's like Kareem when they out they had to tell the league that you weren't allowed to dunk anymore because of Kareem. Yeah. So, um, when you do something like that, you know you're pretty significant. Right. And then you might be able to like nip this one in the butt, but like I mean, the only golfer I could think of that like might be up there is like Rory. But it's a no. Golf is so up and down. The problem is Tiger was hurt most of the 2010s. Right. Had all his issues. If there's, if we're talking like 2000 to 2020, then it's definitely, you can throw Tiger Woods in there easy. Right. I'm going to say, like, we might have different ones here. I'm going to 
go ahead and say that that Floyd is in my top five. Wow, the dude fought ten times in uh, in this decade. Okay, so like one a year. Uh, eight of them were world title fights, and he made. This is hilarious because the dude has been you know bankrupt a couple times, but he made a billion dollars in uh, yeah. total career prize money in this decade. Uh, I mean, and he hasn't lost. Has not lost. So it like, is, yeah, dominant is what I'm looking at, and that's why I think I'm going to go with Floyd at, at my five spot here. Okay. I'm okay with that. There's no argument here. I don't think there's a real wrong answer. Right. Uh, mine's kind of a toss-up. I feel like Roger Federer deserves a little mention here. Definitely. Yeah, but I definitely was going to say Federer. tennis players in our top five? I mean, they don't play each other. Neither one of us are tennis but We don't know anything about tennis. You're right. But... I think I want to give him a special a special shout out for sure. Yeah. So I'm kind of in a toss up between. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even know who I want to say. It's definitely not a golfer. It's definitely not another football player. Um, I do love basketball. <laughs> Man, that's really tough. That is really really tough. I feel like I want to say Simone Biles. Yeah. I mean, you did make a great case, though. Yeah, so, I, know, I mean, I know it was only half qualified. a decade. It's 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 the amount of years. Yeah, I say a soccer. I might just give. No, I'm gonna say Federer. Okay. I'm saying Federer because he, this decade was in his 30s, basically the entire time, and he was still just as dominant. He deserves it. Yeah. All so, right. So you got two tennis players. You don't know anything about tennis. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> I become friends with some tennis players in college, and I become a tennis nerd. You know, let me get Andy Murray winning Wimbledon is a top yeah. decade. Come on, yeah, that's true. British that guy true. winning Wimbledon hasn't happened in a long time. You're right. Tennis, you're right. I'm a tennis guy. I'm on a Halep. All right, all right. Chill out. Born Don't even get started on Billie Jean King. Oh man, that's a that's song about by Michael Jackson. No, oh, we're on a tangent. Here we go. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so I enjoyed this episode. I hope that you all did as well. Mide, what do you, what'd you think? I had a lot of fun, and I feel like we could go for another hour, to be honest. But I think this is a good stopping point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they might cut us off if we keep trying to go on. But <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. We will be back next week. No more, No more holiday breaks. I know Christmas is coming up, but we are committed to the game. Committed to the game for sure. Yeah. Look out next week. We might have a guest. Another we, guest. Might, we might have a guest. Yeah. If he can join us or I she. I hope so. Or she. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah. we will talk to you all next week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for joining.